With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. My name is Mark Daly, I'm your host, this is episode 202, and time, as they say, flies when you're having fun. Episode 200 went a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't even notice it, so here we go. Been doing this now ever since 2016, and it is still just as much fun as it was uh, the very first time that the the show came out. Anyways, lots and lots and lots to talk about uh, this week. It's been, uh, well, it's funny, you know, sometimes when I put the show together and I go over the news that, uh, that seems to be circulating each and every week in advance of uh, when I sit down to do the podcast. And some weeks obviously are quieter than others and others are very busy. And this is one of these uh, weeks that's been busier than most. And it's going to be a bit of a, it's going to be a bit of a task to get it all into the next uh, 60 minutes or so and cover everything that's uh, going on. But uh, we do have a race to look forward to, to this, uh, this weekend, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring is uh, scheduled to, to get going in just uh, a couple of hours from now, just under four hours uh, till the first uh, practice session as I sit down here on Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Can you believe it? Another month is already gone. September is well in the rearview mirror now, and it's uh, just amazing just how quickly things are going. Anyways, uh, we still have a number of races left in the season. We got about uh, two months to go before we put the, the, the wraps on the 2020 Formula One uh, World Championship. Lots of racing to go, and uh, this Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring uh, this weekend uh, promises to to be a good one. It's going to be quite chilly, it's going to be quite wet, and uh, that uh, should uh, spice it up a little bit and uh, make it uh, quite interesting, because we don't typically see Formula One racing in these uh, conditions. I mean, they they tend to kind of cherry-pick the the, the venues and the times of year that they go uh, to race around the world, obviously, to try and get uh, the the best of the weather and the best of conditions, but uh, this this year being a year like no other in modern modern times at any rate uh, means that they've had to be uh, pretty flexible and to get the number of races that uh, that we're going to has required a lot of uh, you know imagination and uh, a lot of hard work to get it done and uh, for me I think this is uh, going to be uh, really cool I mean we got um, two more races coming up uh, well a whole bunch <laughs> before the end of the year at uh, at uh, racetracks that uh, we we don't go to uh, very often or we haven't seen in a good number of years or we've never been to at all but uh the Eiffel Grand Prix, uh, or I just keep, a, I just call it the Nurburgring, just uh, as I've talked about many times uh, before on the the, the, the program. This is uh, one of my uh, personal favorites uh, because it is the very first uh, track that I went to go and watch a Formula One Grand Prix way back in 2001. 
obviously a completely uh, different era, but uh, it's it's going to be completely different weather-wise to the time that uh, that I went there. I believe it was in July, the European Grand Prix that year. It was right in the middle of summer. That, that, that much I remember for sure without uh, going and digging up uh, the exact dates. And it was super, super hot uh, come race day on Sunday afternoon. And uh, we were sitting in the, the stands in what they used to call the Dunlop uh, corner, the, the the hairpin turn five or under the current uh, track uh, uh, configuration is turn seven right at the bottom of the hill. Anyways, they come down there into that uh, hairpin and uh, then they go off into what they call now the, uh, the, the Michael Schumacher S up the hill and then into a very fast uh, left-hander. So it's, it's going to be different, but I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it, uh, of course, uh, from my personal sentimental point of view, but also, uh, like I was saying, the, the, the weather and everything else is uh, really going to make a, a, a big difference. But if you go back and look at the, uh, I'm kind of getting a jumping way ahead here, but the uh, the, the 2013 um, uh, European, sorry, that would have been the German Grand Prix back then. Uh, then back then used to alternate with Hockenheim. Anyways, uh, the podium was uh, Sebastian Vettel won this one. Kimi Raikkonen was uh, second, and uh, Roman Grosjean was third. Kimi and Roma both uh, r- driving for Lotus Renault uh, back then, and uh, Sebastian Vettel was uh, driving for Red Bull Renault. So I think one thing we can be sure of uh, for certain. Well, maybe shouldn't count our chickens up before they hatch. Is that we're probably not going to see a Renault powered podium, but uh, who knows if we see pandemonium and some of the craziness that we've seen in the races uh, this year, and it, it could possibly happen. You know, with the with bad weather and rain, if uh, we see safety cars and things like that, uh, maybe we'll see another repeat of uh, you know the Pierre Gasly's and Carla Sainz's of Formula One fighting it out uh, for for the race win. And I mean, uh, we 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 see the, in Formula One that. Uh, not only do you have the Renault Works team, but also McLaren have Renault customer engines. So it, it's possible, not very likely under normal circumstances, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping for an eventful, a positively eventful uh, Eiffel Grand Prix this uh, the, this weekend. And uh, I'm hoping for some rain. I think it just should shake it up and uh, it should be uh, fun to watch. Anyway, so let's get into the news. Like I said, I jumped way ahead of myself here. There, there's a lot of interesting and big, uh, big news items uh, going around in F1 this week and uh, none of these are really I mean they're all important but uh, the, the only way that the show was uh, was able to get a, a bit of a flow and a feel to it was actually to kind of uh, put it together in some order I mean obviously the big uh, big news story of the week and we're going to get to this uh, at some point uh, during the show is uh, Honda pulling out and uh, leaving uh, Red Bull looking for an engine supplier after the end of 2021 um, but I just wanted to go and touch on, on, on a bunch of things like I said um, well the, the first batch of uh, uh, stories I want to talk about are just about the races and uh, what, what's coming up and what we can expect and, uh, you know, the COVID-19 protocols and, and everything like that. And the only way I can, like I said, I could kind of stitch this show together was to try and follow some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of uh, pattern with the stories that I was doing. And they all kind of lead one into the other. And at uh, the, the, the very end, we'll uh, talk very quickly about uh, the, the Nürburgring, like I was saying just now. I mean, it's the first time that we're going to be there in a good number of years, 2013. Not a lot we can really compare to uh, back then. Uh, you know, I mean, the cars are completely different. I mean, uh, back then they were uh, uh, V8, normally aspirated engines. Now we have uh, V6, uh, what was it, uh, 1.6 liter V6 uh, turbo hybrid uh, engines. So completely different cars, completely different to everything on them. 
and of course, seven years in Formula One is uh, it's 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 a huge time leap, uh, you know, forward. I mean, just then the the development of uh, technology and the way that these uh, cars advance uh, over the years. So it really is, uh, you know, light years different to the last time uh, we were there. And uh, well, we'll talk about that. Like I say, I keep getting ahead of myself. Okay. Well, first off, uh, we have uh, some interesting uh, and disturbing news coming out of uh, Mercedes because one of their team members has uh, posit- been tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, so they issued a very brief uh, statement on Thursday, uh, just uh, before the run-up to uh, the, the the race this weekend at the Nurburgring. Uh, one of the spokespeople uh, for Mercedes said, quote, we confirm that a team member has tested positive. This has been handled and is being handled in line with FIA protocols, working closely with the FIA. We understand. We th- we ask for your understanding that, that we won't be offering any, any additional details, end quote. So this is the first time that uh, we, we have an actual member of an F1 team uh, testing positive uh, going back to the beginning of uh, July when uh, Sergio Perez from uh, Racing Point uh, had to withdraw from both the uh, British Grand Prix and the 70th uh, anniversary Grand Prix that went back-to-back weekends. Silverstone earlier this summer, so that's that's the first time uh, since then, thankfully. Uh, in total, there have been uh, 26 other cases around Formula One uh, since they started uh, you know, testing for COVID uh, at the end of June, uh, but most of these uh, uh, test positive cases have been limited to, to personnel that don't actually belong to any team, Formula One or the FIA. They're just uh, people that uh, that are involved in the event away from those uh, entities. Uh, so, I mean, we've got a couple of dozen, but, uh, you know, since then they've uh, conducted uh, close to 50,000 tests and uh, that is a uh, you know a huge huge number. So um, part of the regular screen process uh, for COVID nineteen in the uh, in the F one bubble or paddock, whatever you want to call it, uh, they have to go undergo a test every five days. As we know, COVID has an incubation period of between seven and fourteen days. So I mean, only uh, you know a couple of dozen tests in total, and uh, two test positive cases um, is is pretty good. I mean, I, I mean it's not good in the sense that uh, that that people have got it, but I mean. It's, it's, it's good in the sense that uh, with, with all the people there, even though it's a reduced numbers and the, the, the fact that they have you know, conducted 50,000 tests since the, the end of June, that, uh, that, that two uh, people and 26 uh, in, in total uh, in and around Formula One have tested positive in that time is, uh, is, is, is pretty amazing when you think about it. So they're, they're going to have a big um, uh, update from uh, Formula One and the FAA just uh, regarding test numbers and cases. And uh, this is going to come out uh, on today, Friday, or tomorrow as, uh, you know, compared to uh, where I'm sitting right now recording on Thursday night. Uh, but they do that uh, as part of their weekly uh, reporting. So that, that is, uh, you know, pr- pretty interesting uh, to, to hear. And uh, hopefully that uh, this is a similar thing uh, with uh, Checo Perez, that this person tests positive. For, for the for, for the virus, but uh, don't develop any symptoms, and obviously they don't uh, get uh, get sick. Uh, so um, uh, Lewis Hamilton, uh, obviously Mercedes driver, said that uh, they're going to have to adjust uh, because of the uh, the F one or sorry the the, the COVID nineteen positive case uh, within the team. And he said it's going to take a lot of work uh, to avoid uh, any disturbances, as uh, as Lewis, um, um, you know, labeled it. So, who uh, he's had a, a couple of misfires in the past uh, couple of races, but he's still chasing down that uh, 91st uh, Grand Prix weekend or uh, win in Formula One this weekend, which would tie him with uh, seven-time world champion Michael Schumacher. And uh, he had to say, "quote Naturally, it's sad to hear that uh, for the guys uh, that work so hard. We've had uh, this week in between, and those." Guys 
guys work so hard to stay safe and to, to be here on the weekend. So it's definitely a concern. I can't say what it's uh, going to do to the weekend. We have a lot of great people within our team. It's not just one person. We'll try to make him proud this weekend. And it's just going to take a different type of work, a lot of work, to make sure that we continue on without any disturbances, end quote. So, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, uh, they're already operating with the with a smaller number of people in the paddock, uh, in the teams uh, this year as part of the, uh, you know, the COVID-19 uh, protocols. But uh, like I say, I mean, with 50,000 tests and only a couple that uh, that, that have tested positive uh, so far is, uh, well, I, I think it says a lot to, for, for the people trying to do the right thing, uh, you know, the people that are working in Formula One and uh, the safety uh, precautions that uh, they've put in place. Now, uh, the FAA actually believe that the, the, the protocols that they have put in uh, place uh, regarding COVID-19, they, they feel comfortable that they can race anywhere that, uh, that, they, that they would be allowed in, anywhere in the world. So they, you know, this I, I think is uh, an amazing thing. So Bruno Femin, who is the FAA director's operation, uh, and he's, uh, he's in charge of the, the, the COVID uh, protocols. Uh, and he says, as long as the governments uh, around the world are happy to host a Formula One race, then, uh, you know, the, the, the Formula One can actually hold a Grand Prix in any one of these, um, uh, you know, countries that they're allowed into just because of the safety protocols that they have in place. So that is, uh, you know, I, I I guess that says a lot to, to what they've uh, put in place and, uh, you know, the safety measures that, that they have. Um, anyways, uh, Famine, uh, he was uh, in an interview with uh, motorsportdead.com and uh, he said, quote, for me, the only problem is uh, the travel restrictions from the government. We have raced already in some countries or in some re- regions where the COVID situation was quite bad and we managed it. I think the protocol and the people, because they are very professional, means that we have the evidence that the protocol works in all circumstances. The problem is the legal issue to the travel restrictions, if we have to quarantine or not, and if the local organizer has honored the authorization to build the event. That is the key point. It's not the protocol itself. I think with the protocol, we can race everywhere, anywhere, but it depends on the authorization and the possibility to travel there, end quote. So yeah, you know, quite interesting, but uh, <laughs> must be quite exhaustive and uh, quite restrictive. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm sure most people that work in Formula One would admit that uh, it's, it's quite a privilege uh, to, to do so. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us uh, that that sit here and have uh, you know quote unquote uh, I'm doing the uh, the inverted commas here with uh, my fingers as uh, as I say this uh, would uh, with normal jobs would love to work in Formula One so. I'm sure that's uh, just part of the, uh, the, the the protocols and part of going to work each and every day uh, of, of staying safe and uh, following these things. And, uh, you know, I, I come, I work in a construction uh, background and I, I worked in uh, many remote uh, projects here in Western Canada over the years. And you get into some of these uh, big construction programs or uh, projects out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, even 10 years ago when, when I was doing this, I mean, you know, fortunately now from my point of view, I have a nice uh, comfy office job. But being on site uh, back in the day, you know, there was always, uh, of course, it's 10 years before COVID. I mean, we were all so filthy and dirty and didn't care about washing hands and sneezing into our elbows and all these things that we do now. But uh, I I specifically remember uh, that notice up in the camp and it was quite a well-equipped one and comfortable to to, to live and work in, even though the work was uh, quite physically hard and demanding was uh, that, uh, you know, if you had uh, diarrhea or anything like that, you know, you had to report it uh, immediately to the nurse 
or, or the doctor on site and uh, they would, uh, you know, uh, pretty much uh, have, have you stay in your room because I guess gastrointestinal things like that can uh, spread uh, quite quickly. Anyways, that's a bit of an unpleasant way to kind of segue into the first uh, break. Anyways, uh, let's just do that uh, exactly. So it's time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Yes, we're talking Formula One and we are talking about races. We're talking about COVID protocols and we're looking ahead to the Turkish Grand Prix, which is uh, due to go in just over a month's time on the 13th of uh, November. And uh, despite all the talk uh, that's been uh, around uh, the past uh, couple, several weeks or so, uh, well, things have changed a little bit and they're not going to allow fans to attend the race after all. And uh, they had actually been pretty optimistic to attract up to 100,000 uh, fans for the race in uh, Istanbul uh, next month. Uh, but that's, gosh, you know, I... I thought it was kind of wishful thinking. I mean, I'm completely removed from the situation, obviously, but uh, based on what's happening 
all over the world and the fact that, you know, we're in a second wave of COVID here in Canada and it's surging many other places in the world. Even though we've seen some limited attendance in races the last uh, couple uh, to several weeks, I mean, at Mugello, there was a very small crowd. There was a bigger crowd on hand at uh, Sochi uh, for the Russian Grand Prix two weeks ago. I mean, to go from a couple of thousand up to, you know, six figures of attendance at this time just seems wishful thinking i think is about the, the the politest in the you know the the politically correct the same as or as you know way to put it right i mean it seemed a little bit uh yeah too much to think that you would get to that many uh people in the stands at this moment uh anyway so the governorship of uh, istanbul uh said earlier this week that uh, in order to try and help control the spread of the virus that uh, they made a decision on monday of this week that the, the the race should go ahead but only go ahead behind uh, closed doors anyways they released a statement and said quote within the scope of efforts to combat the uh, coronavirus epidemic and accordance with the recommendation of the istanbul provincial pandemic pandemic committee the F1 Turkish Grand Prix will be held without spectators, end quote. So uh, Viral AK, uh, that is the, the the chairman of the promoter Intercity Cell, uh, said uh, recently that uh, the event uh, was, they, he felt they were on course to actually hit 100,000 uh, know, uh, spectators to get there. And uh, there was basically 50% uh, because uh, the, the full capacity at the track is 220,000 seats, uh, but, uh, you know, which uh, they would have been uh, trying to fill under normal circumstances but uh, they wouldn't be able to do it with covid uh but uh, you know they thought they could get uh, they were hoping to get a hundred thousand people in there but uh that that just seemed crazy you know to get that many uh people in there okay so i go through i'm just looking at my notes here yeah we had three thousand fans of mugello a couple of weeks back and then thirty thousand at uh, at the russian grand prix they so that was thirty thousand a day at sochi there so um and uh but uh, coming up uh well nurburgring uh, might see small, small crowds also in Portimao and uh, MLA. They're open to fans as well, but I think that's going to be more on the on, on the smaller side. But uh, yeah, a, a bit mixed. I mean, the reaction to that, obviously safety and the, the, the health and well-being of everybody that goes, not just in Formula One, but the fans, the media, everybody that works here, that's going to be uh, number one. But I'm kind of surprised that, uh, that they would dial it back uh, completely. I mean, not very familiar on what the COVID situation is in Turkey at the moment, but it seems kind of strange that they went from one extreme to the other. You know, we're, oh, we're going to try and get a hundred grand in there for, for, you know, for, for race day, but now it's better just to have nobody in attendance. But, you know, I mean, we've seen that, uh, that, that it has worked, uh, you know, so far in the, in the races, especially earlier in the year, uh, prior to the, 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 the races in Italy where, you know, we've seen small amounts of uh, fans in attendance that, um, certainly, I mean, it looks strange to to see empty, uh, you know, grandstands in and around the circuit, but it doesn't really take, uh, it takes away from it. But I mean, the event itself still works. I mean, the focus is more on the track and, uh, you know, you just, uh, you don't have to see the passion and the fans with the flares and the fans and the flags and the cheering and all that. But we'll get back there uh, one day. Um, okay, well, moving ahead. So uh, it looks like Formula One is actually very close to returning to uh, Rio de Janeiro for the Brazilian uh, Grand Prix. And uh, F1 boss Chase Carey said that uh, that they have uh, agreed to deal in a principle uh, behind the event, but the proposed circuit uh, is, is still in the planning stages and still has to be approved in, uh, well, I mean, there's, now they're going to be in the same uh, situation in, in Rio that uh, they were 
were having uh, in Miami to get uh, get that off the ground. I mean, Miami is more resistance uh, and, and pushback from the local community, which which you can understand. Uh, but here, the the issue is uh, you know there's there's going to be opposition on en- environmental uh, grounds. So you know Chase is very uh, you know eager to get the, this race on the provisional uh, calendar for 2021, um, and they've been looking uh, to to get a race in Rio um, yeah, but uh, you know they've, they've been trying to do that uh, for, for a while I mean uh, they've uh, used uh, Deodoro which is a military base uh, that is used uh, for they used it for some of the say low profile events at uh, the, the 2016 uh, Rio Olympics they had field hockey there rugby sevens uh, shooting BMX mountain biking you know, some of these things are not low profile for me, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Show jumping, modern pentathlon, to name but a, but a few. So the the new circuit is uh, located in the the, the Camboata Forest, and uh, well, the, the the big issue here is that the construction of this new track would uh, you know require uh, you know cutting down thousands of uh, of trees. So you know, obviously, that's going to be uh, you know a big thing, and you know, it's it's a little bit uh, kind of problematic uh, for, for for me to a certain extent because you know formula one has this whole thing about kind of being green and being carbon neutral and all these things that uh, you know uh, you know very prominent entities uh, try to be in this day and age so to uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to go to a new track, that's fine. Uh, but to sort of you know, cutting down, uh, you know, a lot of trees in, in in the middle of a forest to build a new track, that's yeah. That's, yeah, I, I can see why it would be uh, it would be an issue. I mean, I guess the the one thing that they could say is they would offset that by 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 planting trees somewhere else. But it it you know in, in a, like I work in that world as it is in land developments, and any time that you have a development going through. I mean, the environmental thing, and rightly so, is is a big issue. It, it doesn't matter if you're doing a small two-lot subdivision or a big, big, huge uh, resource-based uh, project. I mean, the environmental things just, uh, you know, that, that that's always there. And those are very, very difficult things to to, 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 to get by and uh, to, to make sure that you've got it all lined up uh, properly. So, I mean, they're going to have their their, uh, their their work cut out for them to, to get this thing uh, through. And uh, Lewis Hamilton... Uh, you know, championship uh, leader, six-time world world champion. Uh, he says that uh, you know, deforesting an area of uh, Rio de Janeiro to build a new track is is something that he doesn't uh, support. Uh, even though that uh, they they do have a plan to replant the trees and try and offset all this, so it's uh, you know it's going to be quite a big thing. I mean, it, it, as I look here in in the notes, that uh, it's not just going to be a few thousand trees; it's up to seventy thousand trees. So I mean, there, there's you know more people, more of the the, you know, the the public that live in around there are really voicing their opposition to the the, the proposal to build the track there. So it's um, yeah, it's it's going to be something to watch to see whether or not they can push this through and uh, what what it's going to be like but it, it's not going to be easy uh, to do it and um, you know it, uh, it it's interesting to hear also to see what Lewis has to say he's he's chimed in added his uh, two cents he says quote my personal opinion is that the world doesn't need a new circuit 
I think there's plenty of uh, circuits in the world that are great. I love Interlagos. I've been to Rio and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I don't know all the details of it. I heard it's uh, potentially going to be uh, sustainable, but the most sustainable thing you can do is not tear down any trees, particularly in a time when we're fighting a pandemic and there continues to be a global crisis around the world. I don't think uh, deforestation and everything, I don't think it's a smart move. I don't have the uh, the details of why, but it's not something I personally support, end quote. So interesting, uh, you know, Lewis, uh, even though he doesn't seem uh, 100%, uh, you know, uh, informed or up to to date on it, he's just uh, quite, uh, you know, quite uh, blunt and saying, yeah, it's just something that we don't need to do at the moment. And uh, he's, uh, you know, 100% not in favor of it. Okay, well, I, I want to talk now about uh, get away from from these topics of new tracks and races and COVID tests and things like that. And uh, we're going to move into the next uh, portion of uh, things, uh, you know, uh, stories here in in the show. And this is the big one that uh, that, that dropped uh, the end of last week, and that is the decision of uh, Honda to pull out of uh, twi- or not Formula One at the end of uh, next season. So this is something that came out uh, almost a week ago in a press uh, conference. They had at uh, their Tokyo headquarters uh, last week, and uh, basically they said that the huge uh, costs that uh, they're going to be uh, involved to move their road car business towards a carbon neutral future, they said that they have uh, decided to, to to save money where they can, and they have uh, decided not to stay in Formula One uh, beyond the end of 2021. So. Their return to Formula One has obviously been pretty mixed and uh, it's been some highs and lows. And unfortunately, I, I guess it, it depends. I mean, the, this, this story isn't, uh, you know, completely over yet. They're, you know, the, 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 the I's haven't all been completely dotted and the T's haven't been completely crossed. And the final period hasn't been written at the end of uh, that, that story just yet. But, uh, since they came back to Formula One in 2015 with McLaren, I mean, it was very turbulent. Uh, they, they were clearly much, much further behind everyone else, uh, in, in the, in the, the terms of, uh, the, the turbid hybrid, uh, engine technology. And, uh, well, McLaren terminated their deal with Honda at the end of 2017. And then Honda switched over to Toro Rosso, uh, and then, uh, uh, started supplying Red Bull last year. And, well, I mean, obviously it's, it's been pretty good with, with Red Bull so far. I mean, they, Red Bull, I think they, they were probably hoping for a little bit more. I mean, they're, they're pretty much, uh, back to where the, it's been kind of a lateral move, hasn't it? Uh, they, you know, they're, they're winning about the same, uh, amount of races that, uh, that they were with Renault and that they're still about the same distance uh, speed wise and, and power wise behind uh, Mercedes that they were with Renault power. But, you know, like I say, I mean, the, the story isn't done yet. I mean, they still have the remainder of this year and 2021 to actually do some, uh, do something, but there is no doubt that I think that uh, this era in, in Honda's um, history involvement in formula one, and who knows if we'll ever see them back in, in, in formula one again, there's, a good chance we probably won't. Anyway, say they released a statement that said, uh, Honda, quote, Honda needs to funnel its corporate resources in research and development in areas of future power unit engine technologies, including fuel cell vehicle and battery EV technologies, which will be the core of carbon-free technologies, end quote. So um, Masashi Yamamoto, who is uh, Honda's Formula One managing director, uh, said, uh, quote, we have started to calculate how much it will cost with the future regulations. We have noticed that it is very tough for all the car manufacturers at the moment 
because of the environment change for electrification. So we are summing up the development cost and having discussions internally. Uh, and quote, uh, he goes on to say, it is uh, true that uh, the cost is the biggest issue. Winning is the first priority. Once we decide to participate, we just try to win, end quote. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that uh, despite the issues and the problems that they had uh, with uh, with uh, McLaren a couple of years ago in 2015, 2016, and then, uh, well, right through that uh, that that whole year of those couple of years, and there, there's no doubt that they just show up and they try to compete and to win. But the thing is that they were so far behind every Everyone, and the engines just weren't good. I mean, the cars, the McLarens there, despite what they were saying at the time, they clearly weren't up to uh, to scratch either. I mean, McLaren even uh, admitted as much. But, uh, you know, things started to change for the better. And it was interesting to see that whole... Uh, you know, that, how that whole process kind of uh, worked itself out and how they managed to, you know, Bernie Ecclestone got involved and they, how they managed to keep uh, Honda in F1 with uh, Tara Russo. And then it was interesting how uh, Red Bull uh, decided to switch over to them. But, you know, the ironic thing is after all this is uh, despite, uh, you know, uh, the, the somewhat, uh, you know, acrimonious split that they had with Renault uh, a couple of years ago, that seems the most, you know, logical and likely, uh, you know, choice that they have after next year because they're not going to get Ferrari engines. They're not going to get uh, Mercedes engines, you know, from their, their two biggest rivals. So that's really kind of put them in a, in an awkward uh, situation, but still, I, I mean, I can see the, 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 the reasons why Honda's decided to put out or pull out of Formula One. It's disappointing. I, I was hoping to see that, uh, you know, I was hoping to see them stay in Formula One for the longer term and, and see if they could match uh, the success that they had in previous, uh, times that they were involved in Formula One when they were, were very, very successful at, uh, you know, in, in previous, uh, you know, epox in the past in Formula One. Unfortunately, it's not to be. And it really will be interesting to watch to see over the next, uh, well, the, the remaining half dozen or so races that we have uh, this year, but uh, certainly next year, it's going to be interesting to watch and, and see if they're able to, to do something because they're not going to go through the motions. I mean, they're, we'll, we'll get to this after the break here, but they're still going to, to throw everything into the development and, uh, you know, for the engine for next year and also uh, do everything they can to win races and hopefully a championship next year. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. I'll be back in just a moment. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. All right, well, welcome back to the show. We're talking Red Bull. We're talking Honda withdrawing from Formula One. And uh, that was obviously the big story this time uh, last week. Uh, just one of the interesting uh, follow-ups uh, from that, uh, Red Bull and Alpha Tauri, uh, both of those teams uh, who are running Honda Power right now and have done for the past uh, couple of years, they're committed to Formula One uh, despite Honda pulling out uh, after the end of uh, next year, which I think is, uh, you know, really, really good news to, to, to hear. I mean, uh, it's 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 obviously unfortunate uh, timing uh, for them. I mean, they they've just uh, well, I mean, we, we just had uh, all the teams unanimously uh, agree to the uh, you know the, the the new Concord agreement uh, just uh, only uh, several weeks ago. We, you know, we've got this cost cap coming into play with uh, this decreasing number that's going to start uh, well starting next year and going to de- decrease for the next uh, several years thereafter, and it really kind of puts them in a very tricky uh, position. I mean. Mercedes is already um, in a in an interesting situation. I mean, they they have a, a works team, obviously, and three customer teams: Williams, McLaren for next year, and then also uh, Racing Point slash uh, Aston Martin, and then uh, Ferrari have uh, well themselves and uh, uh, Alfa Romeo and Haas. And I'm sure if you're Alfa or <laughs> or Haas, uh, you you don't want Ferrari engines. I dare say that Ferrari don't even want their own engines right now because they're so. Uh, uh, you know, so garbage. Anyways, um, so I mean, Renault really is the only uh, the, the the only option there, and I'd love to be a fly on that wall between that uh, initial uh, you know ice breaking conversation that uh, that will take place between Christian Horner and uh, Cyril Abitaboul from uh, from, from Renault. Uh, I wonder how that goes down. Do you think it's going to be uh, via text messages like, uh, hey, Surreal, uh, what's up? <laughs> or is it going to be the really awkward uh, phone call? But, uh, I mean, obviously that that was a, a situation that slowly kind of unraveled over, uh, you know, a, a number of years. He, ever since the switch to, to, to V6 turbo hybrid uh, power back in, in 2014. And um, they, they were just done. You could tell. They were like an old bickering married couple by the time they uh, they. they uh, they, they parted ways and it was interesting I thought to to watch the first season of F1 Drive to Survive on uh, on Netflix there was a lot of uh, awkward and interesting moments involving uh, Christian Horner and Cyril Abitaboul from uh, from that uh, I guess uh, 2018 season and uh, it was uh, <laughs> it is just but I guess that's Formula One you know uh, memories are short and things uh, that uh uh, I guess it just goes to prove that you can never say that uh, it'll never happen again in Formula One because here we are a couple of years later that uh, despite the the kind of nasty uh, divorce that Renault and Red Bull had that it sounds like uh, they're going to to, to be uh, partnering up again. Anyways, uh, Red Bull Motorsport uh, uh, boss Hel- Helmut Marco said that the, the company is absolutely committed to, to uh, Formula One and uh, but he's also gone on to confirm that they do not have a new engine partner lined up. Anyways, uh, Marco 
had to say, quote, our immediate ambition for the remainder of 2020 and 2021 seasons is to work with Honda to chase race wins and be strong championship contenders. Beyond that, we will work with our teams to evaluate the most competitive power units uh, solutions for 2022 and beyond. We remain committed to the sport with both teams, our signatories to F1's latest Concord agreement, end quote. Anyways, uh, Christian Horner also weighed in on the the Honda's uh, decision to uh, pull out of uh, Formula One. Uh, Christian had to say, quote, as a team, we understand how difficult it has been for a Honda Motor Company uh, to uh, re- uh, reach the decision to step back from F1 at the end of the 2021 season. The shifting focus within the automotive industry has led to Honda's decision to redeploy the resources, and we understand and respect the, the reasoning behind this. Their decision uh, presents obvious ch- challenges for us as a team, but we have been here before, and with our strength, in depth, we are well prepared and equipped to respond effectively, as we have proven in the past. Whilst we are disappointed not to continue our partnership with Honda, we are enormously proud of our joint success, delivering five wins and 15 podiums for both Red Bull-owned teams, and we thank everyone at Honda for their extraordinary efforts and commitments. Our joint focus for the remainder of 2020 and 2021 seasons are unchanged to fight uh, for victories and challenge for the championship, end quote. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you would expect, uh, the, you know, both uh, Marco and uh, Horner to say uh, both of those things. And I mean, well, what do, what do you really say? I mean, uh, Honda, they, you know, they, they've obviously got, got different uh, priorities. They, they they need the finances uh, to, to, to make it work. And, uh, you know, you just, there, there's nothing really else uh, to say. I mean, you just got to take the, the decision for what it is and, uh, and just, uh, move forward. They've got races to, uh, to try and win this season and next season. And, uh, in the meantime, they can get busy to, to try and sort out, uh, what's going on, uh, uh, you know, with, with a new power unit for, for 2022. Uh, anyways, so I was just saying a little bit to earlier, Honda, they, they, they said that they're still going to uh, go on and develop a, a new engine for 2021. Uh, it, it's still, uh, they're working hard on it, uh, you know, all despite the fact that they're going to be pulling out at the end of uh, next year. Uh, Takahiro Hachigo, the uh, CEO of Honda, said that the company would not uh, start dialing back uh, their, their work and efforts uh, on uh, development and said that they're fully uh, focused and committed to, to help uh, Red Bull uh, become uh, world championships. Uh, Hachigo had to say, quote, uh, we still have seven races to go this season. Next year we have another season and then we'll do our very best to try to win. For next year we will launch our new power unit so we can do well together with Red Bull and we are going to aim for the cha- season championship, uh, end quote. So yeah, it, it is disappointing. I mean, I, I think we've seen a lot of p- potential. I mean, th- th- this short stint in Formula One since 20 2015 will will obviously be uh, you know divided up uh, between the McLaren era and the and the Red Bull era and the 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 the, the difference between the uh, you know the, the what uh, what we saw with both teams is really night and day i mean it was a nightmare with the mclaren but they really stepped it up and uh, were were able to deliver, uh, deliver by the time uh, they came over and got involved uh, with uh, with red bull I still think that is a you know a very interesting situation that Red Bull were were in because I mean they they had the power units already in Toro Rosso in in, in twenty eighteen, and then uh, you know they were able to basically evaluate uh, you know the Honda power in their in their their junior team uh, before making the the decision to uh, to switch over for for twenty nineteen. So yeah, I mean it's going to be one to watch, but I mean uh, time is uh, ticking down, and uh, you know certainly this year, and we we have of course we have no idea what's going to, to, to happen in 2021. Uh, 
one. I mean, uh, we, we had no idea what was going to happen with 2020, obviously, what with COVID going on. So who knows how many races we're, we're going to have. But I mean, the, the time that they have left to them, uh, even if we get, say, a full season between 20 and 22 races or 21, uh, you know, next year, I mean, that would be great if we can go back to a full schedule. But uh, of course, a lot of that is uh, still uh, remains to be seen. The, t- the thing is, I mean, time is ticking down. They, they have roughly, let, let, let's put a figure on it, say 30, approximately 30 races now to uh, to maximize the amount of wins that uh, that they can get in Formula One and and win a world championship for either, you know, in, in the drivers or the, the constructors championship. And uh, considering the performance gap that uh, exists between, well, everybody in the Mercedes, uh, you know, it's it's a long way to go. I mean, fortunately, if you're, you're Red Bull and Honda, that, uh, that, that performance gap is uh, probably a lot smaller than everyone else. But uh, nobody's been able to do it uh, consistently since uh, since 2014, and only Ferrari have really been able to, to, to do so. And even they have uh, obviously dropped off uh, quite a bit. Anyways, uh, Max Verstappen said he felt uh, that uh, Honda's uh, decision to to pull out of Formula One was coming, and uh, he said that uh, it didn't really take him too much uh, by surprise. Uh, to, you know, when the announcement came down uh, a week ago. Uh, anyways, uh, Max had to say quote i mean you could feel it coming of course you just don't show it but of course i also knew a little bit earlier than the announcement but i guess it's just a shame but understandable from their side um it, it definitely came after i signed uh, the new uh, the new contract but they never committed to uh, a lot longer so you could expect something like this you're never sure that's uh, the same for uh, for teams as well i mean you sign a deal with them but but who knows what's happening in 5 years time right so yeah it is what it is to be honest like i said you could feel it coming i mean i guess the whole situation in the whole wide world is definitely not helping end quote yeah inter- interesting that uh, max kind of had uh, you know kind of had an inkling in uh, that that uh, maybe something uh, was uh, was in the works there maybe uh, not so much what was being said but maybe reading between the lines uh, a, a little bit i mean max of course just signed a new multi-year deal over the uh, you know the last winter that's going to keep him at red bull now to was it 2024 2025 i mean he's there for a good number of years and uh, maybe if there was uh, just that uh, kind of that that hard line, you know, sort of drawn in the sand after the end of 2021 and very little discussion about what was happening, uh, making plans beyond that. Because let, let's face it, I mean, everybody's looking at 2022 for the new cars and all that. You know, his spidey sense uh, must have been tingling to a certain uh, degree uh, that 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 something was going on. Maybe, uh, like, like I said, maybe it wasn't what was being said, but uh, maybe that what wasn't being said and uh, plans for 2022 had uh, really had him uh, prepared that uh, th- this might actually become a thing and become an eventuality uh, that uh, that it was uh, going to, uh, to happen. Anyways, uh, it's interesting too, uh, Danny Ricardo, who, um, well, now he's a, a Renault driver but uh, obviously former Red Bull driver says that uh, he believes that uh, both Red Bull and Renault could uh, could re- you know be able to to get back on what he calls good working terms in in, in 2022 so Ricardo he's uh, got seven wins in Formula One and that was all when he was uh, with uh, with Red Bull and that was all with Red Bull uh, sorry with uh, with Renault power and uh, that's before he went over to join uh, Renault last week um, anyways uh, Danny Rick had to say quote obviously it's not really up to me to decide 
decide how that goes, but I think they could. There are emotion and then there's uh, business and then there's time. Time heals a lot of things and whether things uh, weren't seen eye to eye a few years ago or whatever it was, I don't think that will necessarily remain forever. If that's what ends up happening in the future, I think they can get back on good working terms. I never experienced anything that was irreparable, so I'm not concerned if that's what they do. I think they'll get on with it, end quote. So, you know, that that is interesting that uh, that Ricardo is a bit of a unique uh, situation for him to, uh, to, to to comment on, uh, you know, what with his both uh, his uh, current and former teams, uh, you know, in this uh, situation. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting, too. Surreal Abitabul said a couple of weeks ago that, uh, that they're not looking for more customers. They're looking for more partners. And I kind of thought maybe that was a, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a poke at Red Bull. And th- this came uh, prior to the the announcement that uh, that Honda was pulling out um and this was i think uh, to the fact uh, just uh, i think it was if i recall correctly the the, the story i was reading back then was uh, maybe that uh, uh, more to do with the fact that uh, they won't be supplying a customer team uh, next year because uh, mclaren is going back to mercedes power and I think, uh, you know, the, the, the point that he was making is that they wanted partners. They didn't want, uh, uh customer teams. And, uh, you know, that, that's very much in line with, uh, you know, so, so a lot of the things that, uh, that Red Bull and Honda have said. Well, it's more, more Red Bull, I think, that, uh, that, uh, that, that the, what they have with Honda and they've had right from the beginning. It was more of a partnership. There was more synergy, more cooperation and teamwork uh, between the two. So I felt that that was like a little bit of a poke, uh, intended to, uh, you know, to, you know, to, to, to go at, uh, at Red Bull. Um, anyway, so Renault, they, they actually said that they are willing to supply engines to, uh, to, to Red Bull for, for 2022. And I think that is, uh, really, really, uh, you know, interesting. Um, uh, Surreal Abitable, uh, told motorsport.com earlier this week, uh, quote, I can confirm there was absolutely no conversation at this point. Uh, being in the sport, we are well aware of the regulation. We have every intent to comply with the regulation and our obligations. Uh, obviously it's a bit more, uh, detail. We need to be requested and we have not been requested yet and secondly there are very specific circumstances including timing for this to happen and we are still quite far from the that window which is not uh, before the spring of next year we know a lot of things in f1 can happen in a very limited amount of time and spring 2021 is still very far all sorts of things can happen and i uh, i say we will comply with any obligation which uh, may arise from that circumstance uh, we obviously need to look at the sport, and I think we are still very far away from the having to possibly cross that bridge. I can't imagine that Red Bull would not have some plan in the background. Clearly, they must have been aware of this, and Helmut Marco and Christian are full of moves and solutions. I don't think that uh, expect that will be their plan A. Um, uh, we know that, uh, something can always happen. I know that they had to confirm their position after 2021. And now that was, uh, probably the, the time to do that. And maybe the lack of confirmation was already an indication because we see how advanced we are already into the 2022 engine design. And I guess it's a de facto, some form of orientation end quote. So <laughs> it is interesting uh, that, that, that could possibly happen, but, uh, a beatable says that, uh, you know, bringing Red Bull and Alpha Tower back uh, under or working with them as, uh, as customer teams would not uh, have any impact on the Alpine team, which is, you know, uh, going to be the rebranded uh, Renault Works team uh, for, for 2021. So it, it's going to be, uh, you know, interesting that, uh, you know, they're, they're losing one customer team in McLaren this year. And then next year, they're just going to be, uh, uh, you know, building and supplying engines for themselves. And then uh, perhaps uh, bringing uh, or, or coming back uh, with, with uh, Alpha Tauri and, uh, and, and uh, Red Bull for 2021. 
Anyways, uh, Abita Bull had to say, quote, uh, no third party is going to impact our strategy. Our strategy is clear and we are here for our works team. And we are a works team because there is very little benefit to, to being an engine supplier. Uh, the business case of being an engine supplier in F1 doesn't fly. And maybe Honda's news is also evident uh, for that. We found out uh, that for ourselves in 2014 when we made the decision to come back as a full team. And maybe Honda looked at a similar question for themselves and made a, dis- a different uh, decision. The program we have is around our team is around the particular Alpine brand and that's knowing uh, not going to change. If we have certain obligations, we will comply, but all our efforts and everything we do should revolve around this strategic objective, which is to be in a position to win races for the benefit of the build-up and ramp-up of the Alpine brand, end quote. So there you go. Uh, and, and that's not really any different than uh, what uh, a beatable has been uh, talking and saying uh, for the last l- little while, that uh, that uh, it, there, there really is very little benefit uh, for them to supply customer engines to to other teams, but who knows? It it, it sounds to, to me that there, there's something in the works there, and uh, it, it's something that uh, that we can't ignore, and uh, we'll just have to keep uh, watching over the, the the following weeks and months ahead uh, to, to see what uh, what news comes out, or if uh, Red Bull decides to go in a completely different uh, direction to, for for engines for for 2022, but. You know, what other options uh, do they, do they really have? We'll we'll wait and see. Anyways, uh, time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Just uh, talking about um, engine suppliers and everything like that. Uh, AMG is uh, going to uh, make uh, or get more involved with uh, the Mercedes F1 team uh, for for next year, and they w- they actually want closer ties between uh, the, the the Grand Prix team and the AMG division from from 2021. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting uh, that uh, <laughs> you know that uh, I guess it's more of a name than actual in- involvement. Uh, Anyways, um, there's uh, Mercedes have a new global strategy which they uh, revealed to their investors uh, on Tuesday of this week, and uh, you know they, they've also uh, made clear and, uh, and committed to, to, to full like uh, or not full uh, uh, electrification, but uh, they are fully committed to uh, electrification of their uh, their their road cars. So they're they're going to uh, in, uh, launch new uh, range of electric uh, vehicles, uh, and they're going to have some sub brands as well, and while that includes 
uh, Maybach and then also G, EQ and AMG. Uh, and then AMG, it's going to be, uh, uh, they're going to be focusing on the performance end of the, the Mercedes uh, products, which, you know, that's, you know, a bit of an obvious uh, statement. Uh, but uh, they, they've actually also announced plans that are going to enhance, as they call it, the ties between uh, the AMG brand and the Formula One team. Uh, so, they, you know, they already have this uh, Project One uh, road car, which has, uh, you know, it's fitted with an F1 turbo hybrid engine, and that's going to be uh, released uh, next year. But, uh, you know, there are going to be more plans and more things and projects that they're going to be working on uh, beyond uh, next year. So there's going to be more marketing links between the Formula One team and AMG, and there's going to be more cooperation on the technology transfer from the racing uh, side to the road cars, uh, plus uh, more uh, presence of the, the AMG, uh, you know, uh, uh, branding on the on the team itself. So they're going to have a bigger presence on the car that they have uh, right now. And uh, so I guess it's uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that uh, looks. Okay, so uh, I want to talk now about uh, drivers. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, you know, who's talking about his time at uh, Ferrari, he's admitting that, uh, quote, some fights I shouldn't have picked. Obviously, he's uh, got a bit of uh, time to uh, maybe uh, look back and reflect uh, at his time at uh, Ferrari since he joined there in 2015. You know, he's trying to do what his hero Michael Schumacher did uh, with the Scuderia, but, uh, you know, obviously bringing a a championship uh, back to Maranello just hasn't uh, worked out. I mean, he's uh, scored 14 uh, wins for Ferrari, but uh, the last, you know, 18 to 24 months has been... uh, you know, pretty, <laughs> yeah, probably something I think uh, Sebastian is, uh, it's going to be a mark on his, uh, on his career and something he might have, uh, you know, a bit of regret about. Anyways, um, Seb had to say, quote, it is true I have failed because I set myself on the, the, the mission or the target to win the championship with, uh, Ferrari. I have failed. I didn't manage uh, to, to do that. Uh, these things that I should have done better, things I maybe should have seen earlier, fights that maybe I shouldn't have picked. But then again, I think everything that has happened brought me to where I am now. Uh, if I'm fair and harsh, then I have failed. Uh, were there reasons? Probably yes, but I don't accept them as excuses. So whatever happened also put me on the next step forward and next level. Maybe the fights weren't worth fighting, but then again, uh, par- probably uh, it's part of my nature. And I think I had points as well in some of these little fights and battles. But I think ultimately that's how you mature and how you learn. I'm happy to move on. End quote. So uh, Racing Point, uh, well, Aston Martin is going to be the, the new team that he's uh, going to be uh, racing for next year in the technical uh, director Andrew Green says that uh, even though Seb has uh, lost his mojo and uh, he feels that uh, that Aston Martin can help uh, Seb get back into what uh, Green says is his uh, sweet spot. Uh, so of course uh, he's gonna, Seb is going to be uh, going to Racing Point slash uh, Aston Martin uh, for uh, for next year. And uh, well, I mean he was really uh, targeted by uh, Lawrence Stroll, the, uh, the the owner of the team, to um, uh, you know as a, a real cornerstone to any success uh, that this team uh, might have in the future. I mean they're, they're doing pretty good uh, right. Now now this year with the you know the 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 RP20 anyways uh green had to to, to say about uh, Seb quote i think he's going to bring a completely new dynamic uh, to the whole team it shows a measure of intent uh, by Lawrence where he wants to take the team and what he wants to do with it i think that's a really strong statement he's a multiple world champion he's going to bring a methodology of working that we haven't seen before and that's what we want we want someone who's been there and done it can show us what it takes what does it take to start uh, winning races what does it take to win a champion 
championship and he will bring that. And conversely, I think we can help Seb as well. I think he's not in a great place at the moment in his head. I think he's lost his mojo a little bit and I think we are just the best team at uh, turning drivers around and getting them back into their sweet spot. So I think we can really help him, end quote. So we'll wait and see. So certainly I'd, uh, you know, I hope it uh, for Sebastian Vettel that it works out for him, uh, that, uh, that he gets back uh, into a good place. He's, I mean, he's a four-time world championship. I mean, obviously uh, Red Bull was very dominant, uh, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, Sebastian was just there at the, at, at the right time. But I mean, he was the the right guy at the right team and the right car at the moment. And he did extremely well to do that. And I mean, you just don't become a bad Formula One driver overnight. And I mean, he, he clearly is not uh, in the same place mentally that uh, that, that he was, uh, you know, even a couple of years ago. And uh, I think just the change of uh, scenery and getting away from Ferrari, I think it's, it's a good thing for Sebastian Vettel. And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he can do uh, next year. Anyways, uh, Carlos Sainz uh, says uh, fans can, quote, laugh as much as they want, end quote, about his uh, move to Ferrari for next year. Obviously, uh, he's uh, taking uh, Sebastian Vettel's seat at uh, at Ferrari for 2021, and I know this is a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, comment. I, I don't think that uh, <laughs> you know that, that people are laughing at him. I think that the timing is just completely unfortunate uh, for for Carlos Sainz. I, I mean, if if you're a racing driver, if if you're good enough to be in Formula One, and that opportunity to drive for Ferrari comes up, who would not take that uh, that that opportunity? Unfortunately for for Carlos Sainz, that uh, he's going to be going to the team at a time when, uh, you know, they're, they're just not doing all that well. And they, they've uh, looked to be going uh, backwards uh, rather than forwards. And the, the, the sad thing is that with, with Carlos Sainz and uh, and Charles Leclerc under contract uh, for, for the next uh, couple of years, Ferrari have two young, very talented drivers, and they may not actually have uh, the, the, the car or the engine to help these guys uh, be competitive and, uh, and, 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 and compete for race wins, which I, I think is, uh, you know, very, very disappointing. So you can understand that, uh, you know, <laughs> Sainz, uh, like I said, he, he was, you know, uh, pretty upbeat and joking about it, uh, and he said that uh, some of the jokes that he's seen online are actually uh, pretty pretty funny and uh, he, he says he gets a, a, a good laugh about it anyways I, I mean what else can you do I mean uh, uh, like I said I think anybody would take that opportunity to go with uh, Ferrari I mean th- there's nothing that he can do now but the, go there do his job and, and and race as hard as he can and just hope that the designers and the engineer and the team uh, you know d- d- design and build a good car and get uh, the, these problems sorted out I mean the, the the, the fact of the matter is, is that the, uh, you know, the brass at Ferrari have been saying for the the, the past number of months that, uh, that this is not a short-term fix. You know, they're, they're looking at, uh, you know, 2022 or a couple of years before they really turn this thing around and get back into a, a situation where they can, uh, they can, uh, you know, compete for, you know, victories and championships and, and things like that. If you have a guy like Sebastian Vettel, who's in his early to mid thirties, you, you probably won't, don't want to be sitting around uh, doing that. I mean, the things were already not going bad. I mean, you know, Charles and, and Carlos being a, a little bit younger, they have a little bit, uh, I guess a little bit more the, the, the benefit of, uh, you know, having time on their side, you know, being earlier in their, 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 their careers. But still, I mean, uh, it could be uh, painful for them. I mean, we, we've seen how good Charles has been at, at Ferrari over the past uh, year and a half. And, uh, you know, we, we can just see, even this year, we can see the difference, uh, between uh, Leclerc 
and uh, Sebastian Vettel and the fact that uh, Charles Leclerc, I think, is just uh, one of these guys guys that's uh, naturally talented that uh, can you know just get every single ounce of performance out of a Formula One ca- uh, car uh, compared to, uh, to to a lot of other drivers. I mean, we see the difference between himself and Sebastian Vettel this year and last year, and then we saw it uh, previously when he was at uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo Racing or whatever they, they, they were calling it a couple years ago uh, when he was partnered with uh, Marcus Erickson. I mean, there, were, there's, there was night and day between uh, Charles and uh, and Marcus Erickson. So anyways, uh, <laughs> kind of funny to, to hear um, Carlos is, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess he's uh, had his, uh, you know, he's looked at quite a lot of memes involving himself over the past uh, little while. Anyways, uh, Danny Ricardo, who will be uh, replacing Carlos Sainz at McLaren for next year, said he has uh, no regrets about uh, deciding to to move to uh, to uh, to McLaren after, uh, from Renault, despite that his current team is actually uh, starting to make some improvements. Uh, have seemed to have finally kind of broken out of this uh, this plateau that they've been in for the past uh, you know year or so, and. Uh, you know, he said that uh, he'd actually decide to commit uh, to McLaren before he'd actually been in uh, this year's uh, Renault. And uh, he, well, uh, apparently a uh, surreal beatable was, uh, was quite uh, disappointed, but uh, Ricardo has uh, shown, uh, you know, over the past couple of years that he's quite willing to, to, to jump around. I mean, this, um, you, you could understand why maybe he moved away from Red Bull to, to maybe get away from the, uh, you know, the shadow of Max Verstappen and the fact that, uh, that, that, that was going to be Max's team. Um, although, you know, it, it was a, it was a step backwards. I mean, now Renault seemed to be going forward and it, it, it's going to be a situation now, you know, is this going to be a, a good move for him? Is it going to be a lateral move or is Renault going to be, uh, you know, progressing, uh, forward, uh, you know, next season, you know, as, as, as Alpine with, uh, you know, drive lineup of uh, Fernando Alonso and, uh, and Esteban Alcon. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I think uh, at the end, will be uh, when Ricardo finally retires from Formula One, we, we can go back and then uh, maybe look at it, uh, you know, over the course of his entire career, whether or not these uh, moves that he made were, were, were worth it and, uh, you know, were well-advised or poorly advised or bad decisions. I mean, uh, looking at the, you know, the choice that he made to, to go to Renault and then uh, jump ship fairly quickly thereafter, is, you know, it's questionable. Uh, certainly, it seems to be a, a bit of a, you know, wasted time. But uh, anyways, uh, he he does seem to be satisfied with the call that he made and uh, Ricardo had to say quote obviously no disrespect to Renault where and where I currently am but I don't uh, regret it am I happy uh, am I happy to see the progress absolutely if it means that we've got Renault as a competitor next year to push McLaren further, then I think that's good for everyone. So no, I'm not regretting it, but I'm also not unhappy with the progress. I want to be racing at the front, and obviously every race in F1 is so important. So every chance I get to do it, you know, the sooner the better. I'm glad we're making process, and I feel a part of it, which is important for me as well, and as I guess my growth as a driver, end quote. So yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the thing is, I mean, the, both of these teams have a potential. I mean, the McLaren, we've seen steadily uh, improving over the the past uh, couple of years, and uh, the, the the question is, where are these two teams going to to, to level off? Are they going to still keep? Uh, you know, are they going to be kind of competing with the you know each other, or one of them going to be able to move up the field and close that gap to say uh, Red Bull and uh, you know maybe even uh, Mercedes? Uh, Kimi Raikkonen says that uh, even though he's been linked with a, a new contract at uh, Alfa Romeo, that uh, that it's it hasn't been signed yet, and uh, it's 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 basically in his hands uh, whether or not. 
not uh, he's going to stay in Formula One uh, and continue for another year in 2021. Uh, said that he hasn't made a final decision on it and uh, said that, uh, quote, nothing has been, been decided so far. And yeah, for sure it started with I didn't have any experience, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, his very first con- contract at uh, Sauber, which is, you know, the, you know, the, the, the predecessor to Alfa Romeo way back in his, uh, the start of his career. Uh, anyways, he said, uh, quote, and yeah, it's, uh, for sure it started with I didn't have any experience and now I'm getting too old, so they want to get rid of me. In the the middle one way, it worked okay, and uh, now it's not so great for some people. Anyhow, anyways, I think he's uh, joking, obviously. Uh, Kimmy goes on to say, quote, we'll see. Obviously, we have had some talks with the team. It's obviously my decision in the end, and we'll see what comes to be, end quote. So who knows? Maybe we'll see uh, Kimmy Raikkonen in Formula One again next week, or sorry, next year. And uh, so it, it sounds like something. Uh, happening uh, and uh, hopefully we'll hear a decision on that uh, very soon. Uh, so finally, uh, before we go, just uh, want to bring up a couple of facts here about uh, the the Nurburgring. Um, uh, Danny Ricardo uh, says that the uh, that uh, the unpredictable uh, weather at the at the Nurburgring uh, ring could uh, deliver what he calls a, a crazy race. If you look at the Nurburgring uh, weather for one o'clock Sunday afternoon, it's calling for rain, a high of eight degrees uh, Celsius and a low of uh, three degrees. So that uh, you know that translates to uh, forty six degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit with a low of 37 so you know a bit chilly for for a formula one race so it uh it's really could uh, make it an interesting race to see how this uh, one all uh, turns out so the um the the, the nurberg ring is uh you know, i mean there's uh, there's obviously a quite uh <laughs> a couple of them but uh you know you have the the, the present track uh which is uh you know 5.15 kilometers or 3.2 miles in length 13 laps or sorry 15 turns uh the rap uh, lap record uh, was set in uh, a Ferrari F2004 by Michael Schumacher that time was a 129.468 and that's on the the the, the current uh, track so i mean the well the Nordschleife you know, that's the, the classic one, the, the current configuration, 20.8 kilometers or 12.93 miles. I mean, the, uh, you know, the combined circuit, uh, it was just under 16 miles in length. I mean, it uh, really is a, a you know, a, a classic and an amazing uh, circuit. But anyways, uh, it should be a good one to watch. Really looking forward to that one. And, uh, it, uh, it should be, uh, should be good. Um, just before we go, I just wanted to throw up the, the, the standings there just to mention that once again, top five in the drivers, uh, Lewis Hamilton on top 205 points, uh, leading his teammate, uh, Valtteri Bottas, who is in second, Max Verstappen is in third. Third, Lando Norris uh, and McLaren with 65 points. And then uh, Alex Albon in the second, uh, Red Bull just a point uh, behind in, uh, with 64. Then you have uh, Danny Ricardo, 63, just uh, just looking out of the uh, the top five in the driver's uh, uh, championship. Then on the constructor side, uh, Mercedes on top with 366 points. Red Bull second with 192. Then you have uh, McLaren third, only two points ahead of uh, racing points. They have 106, 104 points respect. And then you have Renault closing in as well. They're only uh, seven points uh, behind uh, McLaren with uh, with 99. So uh, a lot going on. We could see the constructors uh, absolutely uh, changing a, a bit this week if uh, things, uh, you know, <laughs> we get some interesting results going on. Anyways, as I go here, I'm going to uh, just uh, put this down and, and just leave it here and let you guys mull this one over. Uh, but uh, a former world champion, uh, Sir Jackie St- 
Stewart says that uh, he doesn't believe that uh, Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton that is, is a match for Juan Manuel Fangio or Jim Clark. Uh, anyways, uh, Sir Jackie, uh, who uh, is uh, obviously uh, himself a three-time world champion, uh, says that uh, Fangio and Clark are still the best uh, drivers that Formula One has ever seen. And uh, he says that uh, Hamilton's uh, numbers and stats have been helped by longer seasons and the the, the, the dedication in modern Formula One to, uh, you know, or, or drivers to compete just in a single category. I mean, uh, in the old days, these guys would basically race anything they could uh, get their hands on. And of course, they made a lot less money in that time. Anyways, uh, Sir Jackie had to say, quote, I don't think you can account for that sort of uh, level of success just because there are today there are 2022 races Juan Manuel Fangio is in my mind the greatest driver that ever lived with Jim Clark the second greatest even ahead of Ayrton Senna but those people only race sometimes six to eight or nine races a year in Formula One they were driving sports cars GT cars etc but the world championship uh, now Lewis Hamilton or any of the other top contenders are uh, are only doing 22 races only in Formula One not in touring cars not in GT cars not in Indy cars not in Can-Am cars the pressure today is much more relaxed of course they go to the factory and do the simulator but that's not quite the same it's a different world uh lewis drives extremely well make no mistake i'm not in any way diminishing his skills but it's not the same Fangio drove in such a way it was quite extraordinary. He would choose a Ferrari and then he would uh, think, well, Maserati next year might be good. So he never did uh, more than a one-year contract. And then he drove for Mercedes-Benz and won two world championships with them because they were the best cars uh, cars made in the world that time. Lewis made a very good decision when he left to McLaren at the time and went to Mercedes-Benz. I take my hat off to him for making that decision, but frankly, the car and engine are now so superior that it's almost unfair to the end of the world or rest of the field, end quotes. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a, a lot of things that uh, that that uh, that Jackie Stewart has uh, you know said there. I mean. I don't uh, disagree with a lot of what he's saying, but it is so hard to compare different drivers for, from different eras, driving different kind of cars and, you know, and, and like you were saying, driving, uh, you know, in, in multiple series and uh, categories, uh, you know, with, throughout the year, whereas, you know, modern Formula One drivers, that's, that, that's all they, 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 uh, you know, they, they concentrate on. I mean, unfortunately we will never see Ayrton Senna, Juan Manuel Fangio, Jim Clark, Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, you know, throw whoever you want into that conversation, all racing the same equipment at the same time. Not in this dimension, not in this existence, maybe in some parallel universe uh, or whatever lies in the hereafter, right? But, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, I mean, Lewis is certainly in that conversation. He is in that uh, that ca- category of Formula One greats. And he's definitely, without a doubt, in my mind, the greatest driver of this generation. He's the right guy. He, he's the best driver and the best team with the best car. And he has been for a good number of years. And uh, that's why, you know, I have a very difficult time to, to, to bet against uh, Lewis Hamilton. The only time I'm going to do so is this weekend, just based on the fact that this one it could be uh, unpredictable, but I think if we have a dry race, uh, you know, again, how, how do you uh, bet against uh, Mercedes? And uh, I, I think that, uh, that that Lewis Hamilton, under uh, normal circumstances, I think he wins this one. I think that, uh, again, we're going to see a podium. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, and uh, and Max Verstappen top three. If it rains, who knows? We get safety cars, who knows? We, we've seen that uh, happen a couple of times this year with uh, rather entertaining uh, results. So who knows? Uh, like I say, it could be uh, it could be anyone in that situation. 
All right. Well, that's it. That is all for the show this week. I'll be back on uh, Sunday night to, to wrap up the uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring. So look for that in your feed at that point. Uh, if you want to get in touch, as always, please send an email at uh, scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com or at scuderiaf1 on, uh, on, on, on the Twitters. We also have a Facebook page, which I kind of neglect, and that is facebook.com slash scuderiaf1pod. So you can go and check that out. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.